I'm excited about the future. I, mean, I think there's going to be a ton of opportunity for those that do make it through this. It's going to take a, a little time. It's going to be a tough six to 12 month period. I don't diminish that. I think that those that survive are going to do really, really well going forward. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I am your host, Yona Weiss. Thank you so much for joining me again today. I have a very special guest today, a friend, Barry Wolf from hey, Wolfpack. Yeah. Yeah, Yona, thanks for having me. I love the name Weiss Advice, by the way, and I love your the graphics you've done and the, the logos. I play it off my name too, so I really, I like what you're doing. Exactly. You got the wolf bites, you know, it's really playing off the name and trying to take something with that. So I appreciate that, Barry. Barry is an expert in commercial real estate. And if you don't know Barry Wolf, from LinkedIn. You may be hiding under a rock or something like that, but check us out. Follow both Barry and I on LinkedIn if you want excellent content in the commercial real estate industry. Barry worked with developers, investors, 1031 exchange buyers, anyone looking to grow the real estate portfolio, franchisees, retailers, you know, whoever it is out there, you want to look up Barry. Barry's located in South Florida and working, you know, nationwide with Marcus and Millichap group. And, you know, that's it. If you want to find out more, you're going to check out Barry over there. But Barry, you haven't always been in commercial real estate. I mean, no one's Correct. always been in commercial real estate. But I think you have an interesting background because it's really added to your expertise as a broker. You come from a, a law background. So you were right. an attorney working in commercial real estate and different aspects before you actually went into the sales broker aspect of it. So tell me about like, what was that yeah. transition like? Yeah, no, it's interesting. So yeah, I, was, I went to law school, I graduated in 1993. So it's been been a little while and I was practicing law. I was in private practice and this will date me, but I mean, we were working with a lot of Kmart developers who back then, Kmart, Walmart were neck and neck. Those were the big boys in retail. And yeah, again, that obviously shows it's been a little while. Right. Uh, also represented a lot of restaurant chains. So was involved in retail really you know, from the get-go, once you know, from my professional life standpoint. Right. And then I transitioned into in-house. I ran the legal real estate department for Aaron's Inc., who's a retailer, public company for a couple of years, and then got tired of the law practice. And it just wasn't something I wanted to do for the rest of my life and transitioned into something I always said I would never do, which is commission sales. And that's one thing I've learned is never say never. If anything I've ever said, never say never, I eventually did. So that's, that's one adage, but so transition into brokerage and I've been doing this since April, 2001. So it's pushing almost 20 years now. That's amazing. And for someone that has been in the industry for so long and someone that's come from a previous profession, kind of making that transition uh, down the road. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm dating you at all, but you know, we're a little bit older. I can see in the white hairs in my beard, you know, and in your head, we have, we have some similarities in that regard, but but, you yeah. know, you have taken kind of a force in social media. The fact that I opened this up and said, if you don't know Barry on you know, LinkedIn, obviously you're putting out a tremendous amount of content. How did you get into that? Because I think there are a lot of people who are, you know, our age, who are just not tapping into the resources 
because they think it's like, oh, it's kind of millennial or it's things that younger people do and I can't create right. content and, and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's been a couple of years. It's interesting. I, I saw opportunity with social media, I don't know, maybe like five years ago. I'm not going back 10, 15 years ago. I was never on like MySpace and I'm still not very big on Facebook. But I saw on LinkedIn an opportunity that frankly I discussed with some you know, folks in my management and my company and the response was always, go cold call. Right. Don't worry about it. Go cold call. Go make more phone calls. And I was like, I, like every year I'd come back to it and come back to, again, revisit it with my management. Go cold call. Go, go get right. back on the phones. And then a couple of years ago, a mutual friend of ours that we both have a lot of respect for, I think Beth Azor, approached me. That's probably about three years or so ago and saw me kind of dabbling in it a little bit. But I mean, literally like one toe in the water of the pool in the kitty section, in this, mm-hmm. you know, the shallow end. And she said, look, I'm starting this little group, and you know, it's like a few of us in South Florida. I'd like you to come join us for lunch one day. We're going to talk about you know, getting involved in social media. So she kind of gave me a friendly shove, and, and it took time. I mean, at you know, first I'd just be you know, sharing articles with no comments, and I'd start sharing articles with a comment or two. And just in really the last couple of years, I've kind of gotten more comfortable just being out there and sometimes being goofy. and just trying to share a value. And so that was just kind of the transition. I just always saw some opportunities to make a brand. I'm a big believer in what Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, talks about mm-hmm. who, again, I think is somebody we both probably consider as a, a virtual mentor. I've never had the opportunity to meet him. Just building the brand beyond just my company. I, I have tremendous respect and appreciation for the Marcus and Millichap brand but I also realized I need to build my own brand and that's where the, the wolf bites, the wolf pack and kind of like you've done, of, you know, it's building my own brand you know, in addition to the Marcus and Millichap platform. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think what you said really hits on a point that a lot of people are uncomfortable with is just putting themselves out there. You know, and that's part of the reason why I've also, you know, created these kind of LinkedIn challenges to get people to get out of their comfort zone. Great. I love those. Just, you know, posting, you know, every day and trying to just get out of your comfort zone because in the end of the day, it's you who people are going to connect with, you know, and the content is just kind of a form of yourself in, in a way, kind of micro packaging yourself into, you know, words and pictures and videos and, and why don't people get to know you because people want to do business with people that they know like and trust. But I think knowing you is probably the most important part of that because if they don't know who you are, then they'll never come to like you or they'll never come to trust you. So I think that's really where the social media comes into play more than any aspect is just like you said, getting your personal, getting your brand out there, getting people to know you and recognize you. I just say that's where like like what you're doing and the videos that we've been doing in particular you've done in your webinars. I think the fact they can see you they can kind of decide, do they do you click with them or not? And if it's a no, that's fine. But I mean, I think just like you said, helping having people get to know you a little bit. And I think that's easier on these videos in particular, as opposed to they see a post you did about Starbucks or whatever right. it may be, or in cost segregation. That's just very analytical. But if they kind of hear your voice, see your face, and that's one of the beauty of all these Zoom calls we've been doing is I think you do connect at a higher level if you can kind of see who the person is. And, you know, frankly, they'll decide, is that somebody I want to work with or not? And again, if that's a no, that's okay too. 100%. So I want to transition here a little bit because obviously if anyone's watching this, you know, on YouTube or whatever medium we're going to be posting this, 
we can see very clearly in your background, I mean, I got just a brick wall over here, but you got all these retail properties. You got a Starbucks and a CVS and a Carl's, <laughs> you know, you got all this stuff. Obviously that's part of your brand, right? Who you are, because you deal right. a lot with net lease. Okay. You're the net lease pro dealing with net lease properties. Now, obviously right now we're in an interesting time in our, you know, history, interesting time. That's in, one word for it. <laughs> well, you know, I want to try to you know, point it in as much of a positive light as possible because right. I do believe that there's a lot of, there's changes happening for sure, but there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of, there's directions that things are going that we may not have had expected before. Obviously, we're seeing foreclosures, we're, we're seeing bankruptcies, we're seeing left and right things happening. But you've spoken a lot about, you know, for the past several years, you know, the retail apocalypse is kind of like a myth because there's still a lot of action happening in the retail space, right. but you have to see the whole picture. And I think you've, you've done a great job at bringing to the light all the aspects of that. So on that note, in that light, you know, would you touch upon some of the things that you think are going to happen in a positive light in the commercial and the netly space that you're in? Yeah, it's interesting. And there are, there are challenges. There's no doubt about it. I mean, we got to recognize that. And the sad part of it is we're going to see operators that don't make it out of this, both national brands, Pier One, just, you know, Nals, JCPenney, others. So there'll be national brands, but also even more distressing are the local operators, the mom and pops that there's going to be lots of those that don't make it out of this. And I don't minimize that pain. And it's, it's sad. I mean, you hate to see that. On the more positive note, and that, and that happens even in good times. There's always right. brands and operators that just don't make it. I mean, the, the success ratios have always been exceedingly low in business in reality. But I think we're going to see some really exciting innovation. I mean, I was on a podcast six months ago, so long before any of us ever heard of COVID or thought about it. And I was talking about it with the host, and we were talking about this topic and the evolution of retail, particularly on the restaurant side. And I made the statement. I said, look, Restaurant operators need to get much better at to-go, at delivery, at making it frictionless delivery and getting food in the hands of the consumer. And again, that was even pre-COVID. And the operators that were doing that were going to excel. And I think we are going to even see that much, much more so now. You know, it's become very, very critical. I think that's just one example. I think just frictionless we've been talking about for a while. How can you get goods, whether that's food or supplies, whatever it is, in the hands of the consumers in a very easy light. I mean, six months ago, we had never talked about contactless, but we were talking about frictionless, which is just ease of process for the consumer. And that meant, you know, Instacart, that meant delivery, that meant curbside to go and pick up. And now, you know, brands that were not embracing that just aren't going to make it. And, Mm -hmm. but those that have and are, and have gotten even better at it, I think when you combine that with, we eventually get back to the stores or the restaurants. They're going to add that to what they've learned. I think those that survive are going to do really, really well going forward. I mean, it's going to take a, a little time. It's going to be a tough six to 12 month period. I don't diminish that, but I think the other end of this rainbow, there's going to be tremendous opportunities. And again, those that survive are going to pick up market share because some brands will not have survived. Uh, some operators will have not. They're going to embrace this frictionless retail Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about the future. I think there's going to be a ton of opportunity for those that do make it through this. 
Absolutely. And, and the delivery and the frictionless that you're talking about is certainly something that needs to develop more. And the innovations of those services are, are really a market space that really opens up a lot of opportunities for you know, even tech companies and, and these kind of things for products that can assist with these retailers. I think what's also exciting, I mean, this two month period, I was even, I did a Zoom call yesterday with a guy who's creating a platform where he's able to get virtual and digital lockers into retail establishments, which we've seen some of, but he had some at a higher level ideas of how to do this. I think there's a lot of really, really smart people. I mean, we've all heard, you know, Google and Microsoft, these are all founded in literally and figuratively in garages of Mm -hmm. some really, really smart people. And now, you know, so many people have been stuck at home that, you know, that maybe they were out of work and now thinking of new ideas. I, I think we're going to get some amazing ideas that percolate and germinate coming out of this that probably wouldn't have happened again. At a minimum, they will have been accelerated. You know, what may have taken three to five years to happen may happen in three to five months now. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. I'm, I'm excited in that respect to see a lot of innovation coming Great. A friend of mine is working heavily in uh, Israeli tech startups because there are more tech startups in Israel than any other country in the world, basically. Oh, wow. And they also have a, a very good percentage of exit ratios. <laughs> People call them the startup nation because <laughs> there's so much going on over there. Anyways, I think there's, like you said, there's a lot of excitement within, you know, obviously the trouble and the pain that is going, going around and we have to accept that and experience that, but at the same time to look forward to the future and see where things are going. And I think you know, retail is definitely changing and has changed and will continue to change. And like you Great. said, those who adapt will succeed. So right. I appreciate your perspective yeah. on that. Hey, before we get to the final four, I just want to tell you about streamlined podcasts. Okay. I could not have a podcast if I didn't work with streamlined podcasts. As simple as that. These guys are my go-to. They do all the editing of these audio pieces that you guys are hearing. And I really couldn't do anything without it. I literally tried to start a podcast for about a year and it was just daunting to me to spend time writing show notes, to do the audio recording, editing, taking out the ums, the ahs, the spaces, everything. These guys make it sound so crisp, so clear at such an affordable rate. And for my listeners and my listeners only, you're gonna be thrilled. If you're ever thinking of starting a podcast or you have a podcast, check them out at streamlinepodcasts.com. Set up a time to speak with them and use promo code WEISS. W-E-I-S-S, and you can get 20% off your first month if you do end up signing up with them. I guarantee you it's going to be worth your while. Let's jump into the final four, Barry. You ready? Awesome. We couldn't have it back. There's no March Madness, so let's do it here. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, (laughs) someone's got it. (laughs) No, definitely. Question for you. What is the worst job that you ever had? Jeez, I've really never had any bad jobs. I mean, I guess... When I was a teen, I was, you know, there was a um, restaurant where you had a cheesesteak place in the mall, just the food court. And actually, it was fun, though. I mean, you're sitting there on the grill, you know, mixing the meat and the onions and the peppers and the cheesesteaks. And I guess that, I mean, I, I wouldn't even say that was bad. I mean, I don't know that I want to do it at this stage of my life, but as a 15 year old, it, it wasn't, wasn't bad. I learned things from it. But 
I don't know. I mean, I did that. I was a camp counselor that was phenomenal. It was fantastic. I guess I'm fortunate. <laughs> I really, I, I guess I left the practice of law. I really didn't enjoy that. So I guess right. I'd say, maybe I'd say that was my worst job. Yeah, I hear that. I the guess. The worst part was working with my dad even. So that wasn't the worst. You know, that was you know special in its way, certainly. So I, I guess I'm fortunate. I really don't have any horrible jobs in my background. That's good. That's good to hear. But I, I think it is interesting because a lot of our guests talk about, you know, things that they experienced when they were teenagers or kind of their first job or something like that. And myself included, because one of the first jobs that I had is probably one of the worst jobs I ever had. But because of that, they're learning experiences at that stage in our life. So it, you kind of figure out what you like to do, what you don't like to do. And then that kind of leads you in the right direction, hopefully. So it's yep. good to hear. I, I have yet had someone to say that the worst job that they have is the current job they have. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> that would not be good. <laughs> that's, that's a good sign. Question number two for you, Barry. What is a book that you've read that has given you a paradigm shift? That's interesting. There's a lot. I mean, I guess there's one I go back to and I need to revisit. And actually, Beth had this recently in her book club call. I go back to How to Win Friends and Influence People by mm-hmm. Dale Carnegie. I mean, it's a, a classic. It's sure. been around for maybe pushing 80 to 100 years or so. But if you read it, the lessons are as relevant today as they were when they were written back again you know, near the turn of the century, I think, or around the time of the Depression. When I was transitioning out of law into sales, they have what they call the Dale Carnegie class and program. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And I'd probably say that. I mean, that was a, a phenomenal book, just basic life lessons and being there for other people and you know, just being a resource. And again, lots and lots of obviously other phenomenal books. But that, that's probably one that if I had to pick one that would jump out that just kind of summarizes everything. Gotcha. Okay. Excellent. Excellent book. Excellent choice. Number three, question for you is what skill or talent would you most like to learn? Oh, wow. Um, I guess I'd almost stick with maybe like on the social media side. There's so much I, I don't know, whether that's you know, the tech side. I mean, I've seen you know, Kyle and Sarah put up a cool video. I'm like, how the heck did he do that? Or I see some things you've done or others and you know, that I, I'm trying to figure out. So I'd probably stick with that. I mean, I think for early, my early 50s, I think I'm as, you know, fairly astute on the tech side, but there's still a lot of things I could learn and sure. could do better at. So probably in that regard, it's, and it's kind of fun to, I enjoy learning them. It's just a matter of finding the time to do it. Maybe I'll throw in one that just popped in my head. I'd love to be a much better cook. When I retire, I'm going to go take some cooking classes. I, that'd be fun. That's great. Yeah, actually, I enjoy cooking. It's a skill that I love to gotten back into in the home quarantine a little bit more. So, so that's good. I actually worked in a restaurant, a kosher restaurant when I was in college. And oh, nice. I kind of, I just was kind of doing everything there. And one of the things I, I picked up a lot was that they, they were a Moroccan couple that owned the place. They were, had a lot of recipes and they kind of helped me out. I was helping them out in the kitchen a little bit. So I was able to pick up a lot of skills in, in cooking at that period. So yeah, that's a, that's a great, great skill to have. A lot of fun. So fourth question for you, Barry, is what does success mean to you? The first word would pop in my mind is security, I guess. Just in times like this, I guess being there for other people and my family and friends. But I would also say probably, again, I, I kind of that word security, I guess, where that doesn't mean wealth 
or living in a huge house or driving a fancy car. I mean, I drive a Honda Accord. I've never had, I don't drive any, I don't need a seven series BMW or anything. But I think just in times like this, that you're not having to worry about, you know, paying the bills or being homeless. I mean, I think there's so many, again, I don't minimize them. I, mean, I, I watch few minutes religiously and there's so many, I mean, I've seen so many stories about people in this time that are literally on the verge of homelessness and, and that's, it's horrible. I mean, mm-hmm. I, and, and I don't minimize that. So I think just never being in that position and it doesn't mean I'm any better or smarter or, or than any of those people at all um, by any stretch, but just you know, not being in that position. I think it's just opportunities that I've, I've had. I've been very fortunate and that'd be one thing. And then being part of the community and then just kind of helping other people and being there for other people, I guess. Beautiful. Beautiful. I appreciate that, Barry. And, you know, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, what's the best way people can reach you or find you? Best and easiest, just you know, look me up on LinkedIn, uh, shoot me a DM and we'll, <laughs> we'll connect. So you know, I'd love to, always looking to grow my followers for lack of a way to put it or connections and who we're communicating with. I mean, heck, I mean, that's how a couple of years ago, you and I didn't know each other. And you know, now we're, we're buddies here on LinkedIn and offline and so I, I'd say that's probably the best way and just keep, you know, I love meeting new people there and it's a great community that I know you're as active and involved in as anybody in our, in our business. Once again, Barry Wolf, the Wolf Pack, Marcus and Millichap. Thank you so much for joining me today and remember our listeners, thank you again for coming and tuning in once again. Remember the best advice comes only when you ask. So keep asking those questions and we'll see you next time. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.